What's up? This is Project Freelance. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Kay. Just the letter K is my production name. Uh, I do business as that. And my website is justtheletterk.com. If you guys want to go see some of my work, I'm a freelance videographer, photographer, and certified drone pilot. If you need any kind of work like that, uh, just hit me up. Contact at justtheletterk.com. This week on Project Freelance, I am speaking with a guy named Will. He's known as Will Power Cinema on Instagram. His website is willpowercinema.com. He is a camera operator and steady cam operator. And he has quite a cool story to share with you guys about how he got into the filmmaking industry, his education background, some of the stuff he's worked on, and his advice for you as far as gear goes, as well as some really good life advice, honestly. Before we get into the episode, just a couple things for you guys. Uh, first of all, I need to thank our partner, Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death, well, it is canned water. If you're trying to reduce your plastic waste, check out Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. You can use promo code just the letter K for 10% off your order. You have to get water as well as a koozie set in order for that discount code to work. Uh, so go check out liquiddeath.com. They've got some really cool stuff out. They just did a collaboration with Clocks and Colors, who makes uh, jewelry. Um, so they did a Liquid Death ring actually with clocks and colors which is super cool trying to get my hands on that i actually just got their soccer jersey uh it's super sick and i can't wait to grab that um but other than that guys a couple more things i have two photography books out if you go to notracers.com shop you will find two photography books about exploring abandoned places that's what i do when i'm not freelancing i explore abandoned places i also do music but the abandoned stuff, the urban exploration, that is my passion project. So I made two photography books about it. I also have a podcast called No Tracers, where I interview other urban explorers about their stories about urban exploring, about exploring abandoned places. It's pretty wild. And if you're into that kind of stuff, definitely go check out No Tracers. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. Will, please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience. What is up? My name is William Walsh. My company is called Willpower Cinema. I help filmmakers make their dreams come true. And the way that I do that is by being a camera and steady cam operator. So in a way, I'm kind of the first person to see the movie. So let's just go back to the beginning. How did you first get into filmmaking? What inspired you to pick up a camera when you were younger? When when I was a kid, I thought movies just existed. I thought like the the same way like a, a tree just exists or the ocean just exists. I thought they just existed. And then when I found out that like, no, people have to actually like make movies. And then I realized that that was someone's job. I was like, holy shit, that's really cool. I don't want to be an astronaut anymore. I want to <laughs> make movies. And um the movies of Steven Spielberg in particular, uh, I really enjoyed. Hook is one of my all-time favorite movies, as is uh, Indiana Jones. And my dad had like a VHS camera at the time and would film me and my sister just like home movies, like us growing up as little kids and stuff, which I appreciate. And then I 
I took his camera and started recreating movies that I had seen, but like with my sister and with my friends as like the actors. So I I made my own version of Indiana Jones and I made my own version of James Bond and uh, they're really not good, but (laughs) it was, it was something to do. And we didn't have, we didn't have iPhones or anything or iPads or anything. So it was like using our imagination and filming with the camera felt really fun. Yeah. And back then there was no editing. It was just like a, we, you film it and then you move on and then you film the next clip and then that's the edit basically. with the yeah, or the, camera. yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there was, yeah, there was no editing basically. It was just like, like exactly like you said, just play the next clip. Yep. Exactly. I did the same thing with our home video camera as a kid. I would do skits in my garage. So that was my <laughs> thing. So I I'm right there with you. Um, so let's go into your like education background. Like, did you learn film? Did you go to film school or are you like a self-taught creator? Yeah. Well, when I was, when I was in high school, uh, they had like a media broadcast program or something like that. And it was mostly, uh, focused on like broadcast journalism type shit. So I, I, I got to have a camera again in high school and, and be making, little videos like that and and news stories and stuff. And I would always try and convince my teachers to let me make a movie instead of writing a paper, basically. Mm. And that worked pretty well. (laughs) And, and, uh, then in high school, somehow I, I got paid to go film like a business conference or something. And they put me up in like a five star hotel and like, paid me, you know, $1,000 or something. And I like, at the time, this was like, monumental. I was like, wait, they're paying me like lots of money to travel and like, do like, film stuff. I was like, damn, this just might work. (laughs) So like that, that was the first moment where like someone actually paid me to film something. And I was like, Oh, this could actually be a thing. And then it's like, oh, I should probably go to film school then. <laughs> I uh, I applied and got accepted to Chapman University okay. in Orange County, which yeah. has become an amazing film school. And one of the one of the first films that I worked on was actually the Duffer Brothers like student film. What? Yeah, <laughs> what? I know. And for people listening or don't know, the Duffer Brothers are the people that made Stranger Things. Uh And uh, yeah, I was like, I was like a grip on their, on like their student film. And it was a horror film called Eater about this cannibal dude. And uh, it's just like, even in film school, like their movies were just like really fucking good. Their movies were just like better than other people's. I don't know. I don't know. I was just like, these guys are legit uh, at the time. And then, you know, they, they blew up and now they're making Stranger Things. I'm like, holy Dude. shit, that's really cool. <laughs> that's so crazy. Like, so I, you know, everybody decides whether to go to school or to be self-taught at one point or another. I had to go to school because my dad was like, after high school, he was like, if you don't <laughs> get a degree you can't do what you want. So you have to get a degree and then you can do whatever you want. And I was like, well, I'm going to get a film degree because I want to do film. That just makes sense in my brain. I, I played yeah. this game basically. 
But I studied abroad. So I grew up in the Middle East and went to film school in Dubai and then finished film school in Australia. And one of the things about uh, going to a trade, like doing a trade in school, is that you make these connections with like your professors, for example, or other students that then go on to do these major things. And oftentimes you can use those connections you make in school to like, you know, I I guess for lack of a better term, get a step ahead of everybody else. Uh, Were you able to make any connections in school uh, with those, with those people in your classes, with your professors that helped you along the way? Yeah, it's interesting. Even though, uh, even though I worked on the Duffer brothers student film and I worked with some really cool people in film school, uh, I don't see a lot of them nowadays. Uh, I want I want to follow up with some of them because a lot of them are doing really cool stuff. But my actual work started picking up more after I got out of school. And when I when I went to film school, I actually majored in producing, mm. which uh, is is also really cool because you're kind of you see everything that goes into it. Basically, you're like the bird's eye view of of everything, and you're bring you're bringing all the ingredients together. Kind of like the chef. Yeah, like, definitely. Um, and the but the the difficult thing with producing is you're you're kind of at least for me you're like you're you're always on you're always on like you're always clocked in like I don't. I would always be thinking about like the next day's shoot and like, are people going to show up? Like, <laughs> are things going to go wrong? Da, 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 da. Um, and I, I started going to music festivals just for fun. And I would see people with cameras like on stage with these musicians. And I would, I just kept asking people, I was like, who are you? Like, how do you, how are you like getting paid to be here basically? And um, I, I was just really annoying. I was just talk to everybody, <laughs> um, and just pick their brain. And eventually I, I reached out to somebody and got to go be their assistant, uh, at a film or at a music festival just for free, basically. And then that turned into a recurring gig. And then I ended up, uh, actually filming for the festival this is for uh insomniac oh sick company okay. that company yeah. does electric daisy carnival and mm-hmm. all those fun festivals and yeah i ended up doing that for like nine years and oh, been to a lot of festivals and been to a lot of like got to got to travel the world and go to like europe and china and japan and all these cool places and basically just party with people and film awesome footage. And, uh, that was a dream come true for sure. And, you know, just music has always been a big part of my life. I used to play the saxophone Oh wow! and I just love ev- music and dance. And so combining f- film with music and dance, it was like all the fun things, all the things I like to do <laughs> all together. And so, that was that was a really awesome journey. Dude, it's so crazy. Like I've been in the metal world for so long, rock and metal. Right. You know? like, yeah. I, I tour we we met on for people listening, we met on the set of a red jumpsuit apparatus music video. And uh I've been in that scene for so long, but I'm dying to get into the electronic music scene just because the shows are so 
different, you know, like the the crowds are different. The visualizations are like insane. Like I would love to, you know, my goal for next year is to do some electronic festivals and uh, I've got a couple people that, that shoot for, you know, insomniac events. And so, uh, that's a huge yeah. goal of mine uh, to do that. And it's so cool that you got to like combine your love of music and dance with film. I think that's that's rad. And so many people strive for that, especially people that are listening to this podcast. A lot of them want to get into live music photography or filmmaking and video, that kind of stuff. Um, so when did you first pick up a Steadicam? Yeah. Yeah. Um... So I had been filming for Insomniac for a couple of years. And back then, this is like the Canon 5D Mark II era, mm-hmm. basically. This is like when DSLRs were basically starting to become a thing. And red, we started shooting on red cameras, which at the time was like pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, and the person that I worked for said, do you think you could learn how to do Steadicam? because we want to use Steadicam in our festival films. And at the time I was young and naive and I was just like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like fake it till you make it basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I did, I did a little workshop. I had somebody I know show me the basics basically. And then I just, I, I, I rented this like really crappy Steadicam from like the 1980s <laughs> that was like pretty janky. Right. And I put a red camera on that and <laughs> and just like roamed around at EDC Vegas. It's like massive rave with like 100,000 sure. people and uh, had no idea what I was doing basically. <laughs> and uh, I did get some cool shots and some shots were just like <laughs> terrible. And I don't, I don't know, just... I mean, even to this day, trying to get through a crowd of people at a music festival with a steady cam on is not easy. So <laughs> it's definitely not not the easy way to do it. But I was kind of like, if I can do this at a rave, then I can do it like in an air conditioned soundstage mm-hmm. with actors, you know, um, which is different and challenging in its own way. But yeah, it was it was more or less a case of fake it till you make it. Dude, that's, I feel like that's the motto of filmmaking, honestly, or, or like <laughs> freelancing in general. Like, yeah. you're a freelancer, you fake it till you make it, and then you figure it out along the way. Um, Steadicam is such a specialty, you know, it's like there's not that many Steadicam operators. Uh, a lot of people like to shoot other ways, but I remember when I lived in Dubai, the first time I saw a Steadicam rig was at the uh, Skydiving World Championships. Uh, I, I, my first job, I interned at Skydive Dubai as a videographer. Um, nice. So the first time I saw one, I was like, this thing is so sick. Like, what is this? <laughs> and the guy like ended up walking up to me and I had a, like a, you know, like a early gimbal type of situation, like before yeah. all the DJI stuff came out, this was like a, a glide cam. So this right. is like the OG, you know? So I have a glide cam. He, he walks up to me and he's like, hey, you want to switch for a little bit? Because <laughs> the Steadicam yeah. rigs are so big and bulky and heavy. And yeah. he was like much taller than me. So he let me put his rig on. And I was like, this oh is impossible. Because they're like, you fit them to your body. Yeah. You know? so yeah. I'm like struggling to even walk around with this thing. And like, so kudos to you for like yeah. sticking with Steadicam and, and all that. Thanks. It's, it's super awkward at first. And 
now it's become like an extension of my body. And I, I, I love sci-fi movies and uh, I love, you know, all the movies like Terminator and all mm. these movies that kind of grapple with humans turning into machines. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I, it's, you know, we're in the future. I might as well start becoming a machine myself. And so I, <laughs> I have like a robot arm now. Yeah, and, <laughs> so um, and my, my dance experience has actually helped me out a lot with that. I do, uh, I picked up fire dancing along my festival journey and would occasionally get paid to actually be a performer on stage and, and juggle fire and like spin Sweet. fire and stuff. Um, and so just object manipulation and spatial awareness, like when you're when you're in a crowd of people and you have like $100,000 strapped to your body and you're trying yeah. to not fall down or break anything or like hit anybody, it's like it just kind of and then you do that for years and years. It bakes into your brain this muscle memory and the spatial awareness that is is really cool. So for people that are not uh, experienced in like the film world or steady cams, um, can you talk about some gear recommendations? Like if somebody were want- wanting to like start as a steady cam operator, like where should they start and like what brands do you recommend that kind of stuff um, as well as like what are the what, what's your ideal setup as well? Hmm. Good question. Yes. Kind of like the, uh, what you were saying earlier when the steady cam operator told you, Hey, you want to switch? <laughs> That's how I feel a lot of times. Like <laughs> when you and I were working on the red jumpsuit apparatus video, you had a really dope setup that was like a, a Sony mirrorless, which is, or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's, that's what I use for my, my personal videography stuff as well. Like when, when I'm shooting videos for myself, I actually don't use a steady cam that much because I have like a much smaller camera and, you know, I've, it's like, there's, there's a time and a place for like the big gigantic cinema camera. And then yeah. there's a time where you just want like the nimble, the nimble gimbal action. So it kind of depends what, what people are wanting to do. I would say if you're just starting getting, doing videography type stuff or filmmaking, I would get some kind of mirrorless DSLR camera and a gimbal or maybe a, a glide cam. A glide cam is basically a steady cam, but without the arm and the vest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would experiment around with that for a bit and kind of work your way up. The next step up would probably be the, the steady cam arrow. It's a, E-R-O. It's the Aero 15 or the Aero 30. It's made by the actual company Steadicam. And it has either like a 15 or a 30 pound capacity. That would be like the next step up if you want to get like an arm and a vest going. Um, I've, I've worked my way up to my current dream setup, which is a Steadicam M1 with, a, with an M1 volt. It has an electronic stabilizer component in it as well which is just it helps for certain shots when you're 
when you're trying to either hold a high angle looking up or hold like a low angle, it can help you out in, uh, in various ways. But, um, that, that setup costs like more than my car. It's like, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, um, a couple of my filmmaking friends would say that like, you know, their backpack or their Pelican case and the contents of it literally costs more than the car that it's like driving in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's me. Like I have my car and then everything in my car is way more expensive. It's like, Oh God. Yeah. It's a little overwhelming sometimes. For sure. So I'd say, I'd say start small and work your way up and make sure that that's what you want to be doing and, and that you enjoy it. Yeah. And so you've been doing this for a number of years. How did you find your value or worth and how long did that take? Yes, that is a good question. When I when I first started working in film, I was literally working for free or I would go on Craigslist and just try and find someone who needed something filmed and like they paid me 50 bucks or something. I mean, it was like, I really didn't, I hadn't found my value at all. I didn't know what to charge. It was basically just whatever I could get. And then once I started working for Insomniac, they're like, okay, it's like 300 a day. And then it was kind of like, okay, now it's 500 a day. And, um, and the rates, sometimes they would, sometimes I'd work for a new client and they they would say, for instance, hey, we we only have seven hundred a day or something. And to me, like I had never been paid seven hundred a day before. And I was like, yeah. oh, awesome. Like once <laughs> once I figured out that like one person was willing to pay me seven hundred a day, then I would start charging other people seven hundred a day. Cause I'm like, well, if someone's willing to pay it, then maybe other people are willing to pay it too. Mm-hmm. And that, that would kind of like raise the bar for me in a way. Um, yeah. And it's, it just has kept going on like that. And I, I talked to somebody the other day and they brought up a good point, which is kind of the counterpoint, which is like the customer doesn't necessarily care what your value is. They care about how much money they can afford to pay to quote unquote, make their problem go away. Wow. So if their problem is, Hey, I need someone to film this thing for some, for some companies that could be like, Oh, let's hire that guy. He's 3000 a day. He's, he's really cheap for some people. I need someone to film something today. Like $300 could be them stretching it. So, Mm. um, and, you know, sometimes I, I will still do jobs for free or for cheap because it's for a friend or someone I've worked with and I believe in what they're doing. So it is it is pretty relative. I'd say after you've been doing it for a while, you'll you'll kind of have the middle of the road idea of like what most people are willing to pay for it. Right. And some people will, are willing to pay more than that and some people are not. So you kind of it's it's a little bit of trial and error to test the waters and to figure out what people are willing to pay and and in what market like right. depending on where you live 
and the supply and the demand, it will change. Like a photographer in LA might be able to charge $5,000 a day, but if they go to like Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm from, I don't know if they can charge the same amount. It's, it's sure. different depending on where you go. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's trial and error. Yeah. And it's all, like you said, like perspective of the client, but that, yeah. that analogy is actually really helpful. You know, like how much are they willing to pay to make their problem go away? Like, I, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. We're all, we're all trying to solve yeah. these problems for our clients. Yeah. And especially when, when something's last minute, Yeah, I would say when something's last minute, you can probably charge 50% more than, <laughs> for sure. than normal. Cause again, it's like, what's going to make the problem go away. I mean, it, yeah. Um, some, some directors and some cinematographers, you know, their rate might be like 5,000 a day, 10,000 a day. I mean, this, the sky's the limit pretty much, yeah. but yeah. So what are some of your favorite projects you've gotten to work on over the years? Some of my favorite projects uh, in the, in the music world. Um, I got to work on a music documentary with Tim McGraw and Faith Hill Wow! for their soul to soul tour, which apparently is like one of the top, grossing concert tours of all time in any genre. <laughs> uh, they were, they were super fun to work with Lindsay Sterling. Love her. Shot a movie with her brave enough. And she's like one of the nicest people I've ever met. Genuinely. She's just, and I, I was, I was a fan of hers before mm-hmm. I shot with her and I, it was, it was hard for me to, not like fangirl out and i just like <laughs> then at the end i like after being super professional and cool all day at the end i like asked her for her autograph amazing <laughs> but um yeah being being on stage with a musician that that you've lo- looked up to for years and filming them is is definitely a high water mark and yeah. is super fun Absolutely. Yeah. That's how I feel with, you know, Red Jumpsuit. I've been a fan of theirs for years and my friend used to be their photographer, content creator, and he has since retired and or from touring and moved to Hawaii to like live his best life and oh, wow. kind of like pass this job on to me, you know, but nice. growing up, Red Jumpsuit was one of the reasons I started doing like I'm a metal screamer. So it's one of the reasons I got into it, you know, so to get yeah. to work with them and travel the world with them has been like such a awesome and humbling experience as well it's it's been super super cool um for you what inspires you to create your own content not content for clients but like your stuff hmm very good question well one of the things that inspires me is kind of going back to why my dad was was filming us originally as kids is because each each moment that we live on this planet can never be duplicated quite the same way again so and and I don't have a very good memory unfortunately so uh, there's there's times where I'm I'm hanging out with friends or or there's like a particularly beautiful moment going on and I'm like 
I feel this feeling like I'm compelled to try and photograph it or capture it or something. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is so good. Like you can't like, somebody has to document this basically, like just, just documenting and being able to preserve a, a moment in time and to be able to go and watch it later and experience it over and over again is, is really cool. And, and really special. And ultimately we as humans, eventually we, we run out of juice. Like humans don't last forever, but the things that we create can last forever, which is one of the reasons I love film and photography is because it can take a moment and make it last forever. Yeah. It is magic. What we do, we, we capture, capture time. Exactly. And, And there's nothing else in the world that can do that. I think it's so special. Um, what do you do when you're not freelancing or making content? I really love nature. I really love being in the natural world as much as possible and traveling, uh, going to places that I haven't been before. Adventure. I just love adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to be in, in one place for too long. Um, so I, I made this, I made a, a sprinter van that has like a little apartment in it basically. And I'll, I just get in that and drive to wherever the wind may take me. And I just want to go immerse myself in a forest or somewhere beautiful that I've never been before. That always makes me happy and gets my imagination going. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what, future projects you have coming up and uh what are you working on now if you can share anything who that is uh that's another thing that's a, a bit frustrating at times is i have all this like cool stuff that like hasn't come out yet but i like, can't talk about it <laughs> um there's a there's a a netflix project that i've worked on that was coming out uh this year that i'm excited about which I can't talk about yet, but um, (laughs) there's another idea for a show that I'm working on with a group of guys. It's called Beyond Limits, and it follows disabled athletes and people that have disabilities but are doing really epic things. Wow. Like one of the guys is blind, but he's climbed the seven highest mountains in the world. Uh, One of the... One of the guys is paralyzed from the waist down, but he treats his wheel he treats his wheelchair like a skater would at a skate park and does like crazy flips and like Sick. <laughs> Yeah. So That's like awesome. basically what I consider to be like real life superhero people. Like yeah. these people that defy the laws of physics and they just like their spirit is just so uh strong and i find that to be really inspirational i want i want to make ultimately i want to make things that uplift and inspire people and give people hope so that's that's a passion project that i'm excited about that's amazing i can't wait to check that out when it comes out you gotta gotta definitely let me know when that's out so i can go (laughs) gander um my last question for you and perhaps the best and my favorite question to ask people in life is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started all of this? <laughs> uh, you've got a lot of great questions, Kay. <laughs> um, 
thing that I would say is that life life is a marathon, not a sprint. (laughs) (laughs) And to treat yourself as yourself now, but also all of your future selves. So, you know, try and make decisions that will benefit you and all of your future selves. Um, in my twenties, I leaned a little bit more on the live for the moment kind of vibes where I just really liked partying and staying up all night and like, you know, (laughs) doing all sorts of like crazy stuff. And, uh, that was fun, but it's like, yes, I, now that I'm in my thirties, I realize that life is more of like a marathon and you have to, uh, live to fight another day and you have to do, do everything that you can to sort of optimize your experience. Yeah. Uh, instead of doing things that will hinder you or weigh you down. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And so true. You know, I, I often forget that aspect of life that it is a marathon that it is long or it can be long if you take care of yourself and, you know, do all yeah. these things. And, you know, it's a, it's quite a journey that we go on and, and I love hearing about people's stories and, and their journeys. And I think that's a big reason that I love documentary filmmaking is because I get to capture those stories. And I often tell people there are 8 billion stories on this planet and it's my job to capture some of those. And, so yeah will thank you so much for coming on the podcast um if people want to follow your journey if they want to potentially hire you for something uh let them know where they can find you online right on thanks Kay. my website is willpowercinema.com all right y'all that was my episode willpower cinema you can check him out on instagram or his website they're both linked down in the description if you enjoyed this episode please do me a huge favor and leave a rating and feedback it really helps the podcast grow and it helps us find more listeners just like you if you're new to the show please hit the subscribe button i'm trying to get these out every single monday morning just in time for you to head to work to start your week It's a good way to get inspired. It's a good way to motivate you. And that's a huge reason why I do this. But I also do it because I love hearing stories. I love storytelling. And I'm very grateful for all of you who listen to the podcast on a weekly basis. If you want to come on Project Freelance, you can hit me up at Project Freelance on Instagram or Twitter. Or you can email me at contact at just the letter K dot com. If you want to see some of my work that I've done, you can also go to justtheletterk.com. I've got blog posts of photography stuff. I've got uh, music up there. I've got these podcasts. I've got all kinds of stuff. Go peruse the website. Enjoy. And I will talk to you next Monday. Stay strong. Keep enduring. Peace.